So we've been doing a, a preaching series over this last month of uh, called Law and Order Jerusalem, and we've been investigating the murder of Jesus, and we've looked at a whole series of different things. Uh, and on Friday, Good Friday, we looked at the motive behind the murder of Jesus. We've got the murder weapon here uh, in the church uh, on Friday and certainly this morning. But this morning, I want to talk, before I get into that, I want to talk about crimes that shook the world. If we can go to that first image, that'd be, uh, that'd be fantastic. Crimes that shook the world. And I sat in my uh, office chair on, on Thursday and I thought, what are some of the big crimes? Some of the crimes that really just shook the world, either changed the world or just shook the world uh, at the time. And the very first one that I thought of was the murder of JFK. Now, I wasn't around at the time. The 22nd of November, 1963, uh, JFK was the president of America and was shot uh, in Dallas. And I've actually been to Dallas. And if we go to the next photo, uh, there's actually a, an X on the road where you can stand where exactly where JFK was shot. But this was in 2006. And since this particular photo, they've taken the X off the road because dum-dums like me were standing on, in the on the road because there's, there's a set of traffic lights just up there, so you've got to wait till they turn red. You run out, stand on the X, get your photo, run back. And so they thought it was too dangerous, and so they've taken the X away. But uh, it was actually a very moving, even though I wasn't there at the time, uh, or alive at the time, it was very moving for me to actually stand on the spot that JFK was killed. The next uh, one that I thought of was Columbine. Uh, the murder of 12 students and a teacher in April 2019-99. Now, there's been worse murders since in, school sh in terms of school shootings, but this was the first school shooting in the era of mass media. And so it had a greater impact. And uh, if you want to do a little bit of research, there was a girl called Rachel Scott who had been uh, taunted by the two, uh, the two shooters for her Christianity uh, when they were just normal students. And when they came up to her, she'd already been shot. And they said, where is your God now? Do you still love God? And she said, yes, I do. And so they shot her in the head. But she has an amazing story and an amazing testimony. An hour before she was killed, she drew this picture of tears raining down onto a rose and there's 13, te uh, 13 tears. 13 people were killed. This is an hour before she was killed. She's also put this photo here uh, this, uh, of her hands. These hands belong to Rachel Joy Scott and will someday touch millions of people's hearts. Like it's almost like she had, she had a sense of a destiny that she had, but certainly that was a crime that shook the world. Another one that I thought of was Port Arthur. Uh, the 28th of April, 1996, 35 deaths and 23 wounded. Certainly changed Australia. I actually think for the better, I'm a, uh, I'm a gun owner, but I'm a big supporter of John Howard's gun reforms. And I think Australia's a better place because of them and certainly shook, uh, shook that. We actually were in, uh, in the air flying to Canada at the time and we got off the plane and the lady said to us at, at Canadian air, um, uh, border, uh, border passport thingy, uh, said... It's horrible what's happened in Australia. And we said, what's happened in Australia? Uh, we had no idea. And so she actually informed us then uh, of the, uh, of the part of, part Port Arthur massacre. Of course, another crime that shook the world was with uh, the Twin Towers. September 11, uh, 2000, almost 3,000 people were killed. And uh, I was actually, I visited the site a couple of years later. And again, very moving. Uh, and uh, uh, just to be there at Ground Zero, uh, there was just a solemnness. In the spirit realm, you could sense the, the, the solemnness. Uh, and my sister was actually just, not really a fun fact, but my sister was actually booked on the plane that crashed into the Pentagon, but she'd actually had to come home early because work had asked her to come home earlier, and so she'd come home, but she actually has the ticket for the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. Uh, number five is the Bali bombings. 202 uh, people killed 88 Aussies. 
on the 2nd of October 2012. And uh, again, certainly a crime that shook Australia. Uh, the next one that I thought of, and just a couple more, the next one I thought of was the death of Ebony Simpson. Now, uh, most of you probably never heard of Ebony Simpson, but she was a little nine-year-old girl that was um, horrendously murdered out of Bargo in 1992. And I, I came from the area, from the Picton-Bargo area, and it certainly shook our region. It's not a crime that shook the entire world, but it was a, a, a crime that shook my world uh, as a person just growing up and, and to have a young girl uh, murdered and taken like that. Uh, so just two more. Bernie Madoff uh, ripped off people to $20 billion and uh, certainly was part of the whole GFC and all that kind of deal. And then, of course, the last uh, crime that shook the world it was probably the Vegas shooting. Um, just in its enormity, 58 people killed and 851 injured in October 1 last year. But today, and this last month, we've been thinking about Jesus. And it's a crime that shook the world. But it's a crime that shook the world, not because of his death. Because if Jesus just had died on the cross, we wouldn't have even heard about him. He would have been some radical that maybe in some weird history books that, that, that mentioned some guy back 2,000 years ago that claimed to be the son of God and was killed by the Roman Empire. It, it really wouldn't have mattered. Jesus' death wouldn't have mattered. But three days later, he rose again. And all of a sudden, everything that he'd said and everything that he lived for and all of that suddenly shook the world. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12, it says this. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Now, listen to this. This is a crucial verse in the entire Bible. This is one of the crucial verses. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He, whom he, whom he did not raise up. If in, fact the if in fact the dead do not rise. For, the, if, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life... Only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiful. This is saying if, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we as Christians are the saddest of all people in the world. Verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Christ is risen. But it's not just Resurrection Sunday. It's World Atheist Day. Well, it's April Fool's Day. And Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So I assume April Fool's Day is World Atheist Day. Melanie and I were thinking, well, actually, I was thinking, Melanie told me not to. 
we were think, trying to think of a prank that we could play on the church. And I came up with a few and Melanie said, so what you do is you're going to get up, you're going to deceive the church and then going to say, just joking. She said, you better not. So no April Fool's jokes this morning. There may be one on Facebook, but don't worry about that. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why does God call an unbeliever a fool? Because he is foolish to think that he has worked out the universe. He is foolish to think that he can somehow get his own way to God. But the preaching of the cross is to them that are being saved, great power. And I wanna talk today about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Murray said that we, this is not a Lions Club, although I did think uh, the line of the tribe of Judah, we could call it a Lions Club, but anyway. Uh, but but this, is not, this is not a Rotary Club. This is not a karaoke club. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And there is great power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the power of the resurrection. The first thing is the power of unlimited access to God. Now we've dealt with this a couple of times through, through the blood, but I wanna just mention it again. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated, consecrated for us through the veil, that is His flesh. Now remember, I was talking about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, where the priest would come into the Holy of Place once a year, with the blood of bulls and goats, and he would come in in fear and intrepidation in case God didn't accept his sacrifice and he would be killed. They would uh, put a rope around his ankle so that if he was killed, they could actually pull him out because they couldn't themselves go into the most holy place. I mean, the holy place was, was a place of fear and intrepidation. I mean, the all-consuming God dwelt between the wings of the angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant. It was a big deal. But now when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil in the holy place was rent from top to bottom and God came out behind the curtain and now lives in our hearts. And the Bible says we have boldness now to go into His very presence, that we can come in. Just like if I was gonna come into Murray's presence, I can treat Murray as God and say, hey, God, it's great to be here. There's boldness about it. I don't come in with fear and intrepidation and on my knees and saying, God, please don't strike me dead. There is a boldness and a confidence that we have before God. That is outstanding. That is amazing to think that we can at any time, we can be driving, we can be naked in the shower, we can be doing whatever we want and just say, you know what, Jesus, right now I just wanna worship you. I just wanna thank you, Jesus. I wanna praise you. And right then and there, we are in the presence of God. How amazing. What great power is the resurrection. Secondly, it has the power to take away sins. Hebrews 10 and verses one to four, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those same sacrifices which they offer year after year make those who approach perfect. This is saying that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't wash away sin. That the, the blood would be smeared over the mercy seat and what it was, it was a, uh, the, the word is atonement. It means to smear. It, the blood was smeared. It atoned for their sins. All it did was cover it up. It didn't take away. 
It didn't wash away. It didn't restore innocence. All it did was, was, was almost give God a blind spot, just enough that, that, that man and uh, the priest and God could kind of intermingle for a, for, a, for a very short space of time. It goes on. For then, they would not have been, for then would they not have ceased to have been offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. Hebrews 10 verse 11 and 14. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God and from that time waiting till his enemies have made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You are perfect in the economy of God. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you're perfect and holy and you get to go into the presence of a holy God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may be the righteousness of God. So God, Jesus on the cross became sin for us. So God took our sin nature and put it on the cross on Jesus and then took the righteousness of Jesus and put it in us. I mean, get this right. We have the righteousness of God on the inside of us. I mean, how righteous are you? As righteous as God. I mean, that's just mind-blowing when you think about it. The fact that we, it's not that God has given us some kind of righteousness. He has given us the righteousness of Jesus, sinless man, sinless God. We have His righteousness. The third area of power, according to the resurrection, is the power to change your life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. What an amazing thing that we can come to Jesus and he takes away our past and he just wipes out, wipes out all our sin, all our failings, just, just takes it away. And the Bible says that we are a new creature in Christ. It actually means that we have, we're a new created species. I was saying on Good Friday that it's like there's two types of humans on the planet. There's normal humans and then there's Christians. Because in the spirit realm, we have a different DNA to those who don't know Jesus Christ. Because the Bible teaches here that we're a new creation. There are, it, it, there's a, it, it, it's, uh, you know, we talk about being born again in the spirit realm, it's literally what happens. You get born into Christ. Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, we've all heard testimonies, and maybe you've got one. We've all heard testimonies of, of the way that, that, that a, a particular life was just smashed up and wrecked and, and, and God put a life back together. Radical change. Um, I haven't asked Melanie for permission, so I won't share too much detail, but Melanie, when I met her when she was 16, was, was, was a broken unit. Her past had smashed her. There'd been a lot of abuse in her past, a lot of, uh, a lot of physical abuse, a lot of sexual abuse. I mean, she was broken. 
and at 15 had given her life to Christ. And over the last 26 years, I've seen Jesus putting her life back together and she's an amazing person. <laughs> Melanie herself would say that had she not found Christ, she'd been a mental institution. The power to change life. Number four, the power to heal. This is awesome. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now we prayed the other day, uh, Ben prayed for us to, because he's got a, a, a bad back and he's on pretty serious meds. And he said, hey, can you pray for us after church? And so we just prayed a short prayer, anointed him with oil, prayed a short prayer. He's been out of pain now for three weeks, right? But you might notice there's a little bit of a, a bulge here in, in Josie's uh, stomach area. No, it's not Easter eggs. <laughs> ben and Josie were told that it was pretty much, apart from IVF, pretty much impossible that they're ever going to have babies. She's got a baby. See... God has miracles to heal. And so, so right now, right now, let's take a moment. If you, if you have sickness in your body, if you have pain in your body, if you have any area of physical, emotional, or mental needs right now, I want to pray and I want to believe God for, for a healing touch. So let's just take this moment right now. Father, I pray, Lord, for the church. Father, I pray for everybody right now. Lord, that, that is sick. Lord, that maybe is, is uh, emotionally in need of a healing. Father, mentally in need of a healing. Physically in need of a healing. Father, I believe that by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. And Father, I pray, Lord, as the, the, the pastor of this house, Father, I pray, Lord, right now, a healing anointing. Father, over each person that right now in their heart is reaching out to you. God, that you would heal them. Lord, that you would touch them with your power and your might and your authority. Father, people can walk out of here. Father, it's the same testimony as, as Ben, that, that, hey, I've been healed by Jesus. Father, we commit right now, Father, just this moment for miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Number five is the power to mend broken lives. We're not talking about resurrection power. Luke 4 and verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. This is Jesus talking. Just, be, just as he was starting out in his ministry, he's come back from the wilderness. He's been tempted of the devil. He's fasted 40 days. He walks into the temple and he gets up and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What an amazing power. What a great power statement. That if, you've, if you're oppressed of the devil, if you, if you are captive, if you've held captive, maybe it's a, a, a captive, it's an addiction that's holding you captive. If you're broken hearted, if you're poor in spirit, then Jesus is the answer for you. There's power in the resurrection. Again, if we, if we don't believe in the power of the resurrection, we miss all that God has given to us. It wasn't that just Jesus, if Jesus just came to save us from our sins, that would be awesome enough. But He has given us the whole download, the, the power to, to restore lives, the power to change our eternal destiny, the power for healing, the power to take a broken life and mend it, the power of the resurrection. 
The sixth power of the cross, of the resurrection, is the power to change eternal destinies. It was so good on, on Good Friday. We had two people give their hearts to Christ. That's good. I want to read you something. An article came out yesterday, hit the news media yesterday, that the Pope is saying that there's no hell. <clears throat> During the meet, thanks. Did you read that article too? Okay then. So I'm not making it up, it's not an April Fool joke. Okay. During the interview, the gentleman asked the Pope, where do bad souls go? To which he was quoted as responding, they are not punished. Those who repent obtain God's forgiveness and take their place amongst the ranks of those who contemplate him. But those who do not repent and cannot be forgiven disappear. A hell doesn't exist. The disappearance of sinning souls exists. So what he's basically saying is, if you die not knowing Christ, you just stop existing. But there's no such places uh, of hell and, and fire and brimstone and torment and all that kind of deal. Let me tell you something. That is false doctrine. That is false doctrine. And you know what? what it's dangerous doctrine. Because as a world leader of the, of the Catholic Church, uh, and, and to Catholics, what he says is infallible. For him to say something that's so against the Word of God is, is just abominable. Because people will end up in a lost eternity because they'll believe that, won't give their hearts to Christ and think that everything's going to be okay. But let me tell you something. There is a heaven to, heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We need to understand that. Uh, hell is a place you do not want to go to. And I love the fact that the power of the resurrection is about changing eternal destinies. Ephesians 2 and verses 1 to 8 says this, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. What a, what a bleak picture of humanity. But I love this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Again, Murray was talking about how uh, religion is all about what you can do and about how you earn and you need to do this and you need to go to Mecca and you need to knock on so many doors and you need to not do this. And But Christianity says you can do nothing, but Jesus can do everything. I love that. I love that. World religions will always lift up, because it's humanism, world religions will all, always lift up the power of man, that you are going to be your Messiah. And they're going to take Jesus and they're going to reduce Jesus down from Messiah to a good teacher, a prophet, a, uh, a leader 2,000 years ago. They'll reduce who he is, lift up man. They all do it. Because the, the world religions can't deny Christ. So they've got to deal with him in some way. So he's a historical figure. He's a leader. He's a prophet. The Muslims say that he's a prophet and, and all that kind of deal. And so they reduce him down from being the son of God and lift up man. So if you go to Mecca or you, you knock on enough doors and all that kind of deal. So you, you are part of your salvation. Jesus here. So Jesus should be here, but he's now here. Man should be here, but he's here. 
Christianity comes along and says, let's take Jesus and say he did everything and let's take man and say he can do nothing. Now that sounds like God. Power of the resurrection. I'm going to skip a couple. We'll go to number seven, Jahan. Uh, the power to affirm all that Jesus said. Mark 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after that three days, uh, and after three days rise again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ validates his message. Number eight, the power to meet the demands of the justice of God. Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 9, 11 to 14, But Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of his, this creation. Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So in other words... Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he walked the earth for uh, about 40 days and then he, he was witnessed by 500. And then he walks into, and if we, let's go Murray is God again. Jesus walks into the throne room of God, walks up to God, to Father God, and God's sitting on, on his throne, not on the throne, uh, on, on a throne. And uh, he walks up and he gives his blood to Father God. And right then and there, the justice demands of the holiness of God were satisfied. Such that then we can read the verse that we have boldness to come into the most holy place. Why? Because the justice demands of God were met. And the last one, the power to, fit, to defeat the devil. Colossians 2 and verse 2 to 12 and 15 buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped down the out, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and has taken it out of the way, having an nail to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In the olden days, when a king was defeated, they would take the king, let's just use Brian as the king. So they would take the defeated king and they would strip him naked to increase his embarrassment and they would take his, take his hands and they would tie his hands and they would put it behind the chariot of the victorious king. And so the victorious king would ride into town and I'm the victorious king and the naked defeated king was here and he was being made a spectacle. And, and they would throw food at him and they would mock him and, and, and he would be made a public spectacle. Thanks, Brian. And so when it says here that God has made a, a public spectacle of the devil, he has disarmed principalities and powers. Let me read that again. He has disarmed principalities and powers. We need to not give the devil more power than he has. He has been disarmed by Jesus, by the resurrection. And we have been given the authority over him. 
We've been given the authority to use the name of Jesus as delegated authority. We have the authority to use the blood of Jesus for protection. We have the authority to stand in the, in the power of God's might, according to Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Kratos power. Kratos power is the same power that, that God used when He reached down into hell and raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same word for, for power as the power that, where God says, stand in great power. The authority that we have, stand in, in His might. The Kratos power. So we have great power because of Jesus Christ, but the devil's been disarmed. We need to understand. He's disarmed him, made a public spectacle of him. As we finish off, I want to play a video clip. We'll play the second one, Jahan. This is a clip, a song by Nickelback. And because one of the responses out of the resurrection is that we must be evangelists. We must take what Jesus has given to us and go and evangelise the world. And this is one of my favourite clips uh, with Nickelback. What happens is, and I'll explain it just so you get the clip. A guy gets saved. He's about to step in front of something, I think in front of a bus, and a guy pulls him back and saves him. So he's now saved. He's been like not Christian saved, but just naturally saved. Then he looks around and he starts to see numbers over people's heads. And he, he walks around and he, 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 he looks at the numbers and he feels, he can't, he can't understand what the numbers are until he sees a woman go into, a, into an ambulance and her number runs out and she dies. So what it is, is it's the countdown to their death. So then he starts going around when he works it out and eventually he saves somebody else. And I look at that and I go, the world gets this. The world gets that there's, there's a mortality, that, that our number, that there's a, there's a time, there's a date that we've got with, with, with death. We're all going to die. So we should be, but the fact that we've now been saved gives us, gives us an even greater sense of our mortality, but also a greater sense of the destiny that we have in Jesus Christ because of His resurrection. We should become passionate preachers of Jesus Christ. We should be, of all people, great evangelists because we understand that there is, a, that there is a, a lost eternity to shun and a heaven to gain. So let's watch this clip and then we'll...
And then when she gets saved, she starts to see the numbers as well. It's about having a sense of the fact that life doesn't go on forever. And we need Jesus. But we need to tell people about Jesus. You know, I always, and I've mentioned this before, I, I get grieved when I see in the news people, people die. And they die all the time, so I, I do get very sad. Reading the, you know, there's a car accident in Kakadu. Seven people in a car. Three of them were killed. Three of them got legs amputated. Horrendous thing. And I go, where are those people now? They need Jesus Christ. And I look at that and I go, was there people, were there people in their world that were always going to tell them about Jesus but never got to it? And we, there's a whole series of reasons why we don't tell people about Jesus because we fear rejection and we don't want to be labelled a religious nut. And I, I put some stuff on, pro-Jesus stuff on Facebook the other day and some guy said, oh, you're a religious nut. And I said, yes, and all more so I need to be. We, we need to not fear people's responses but look for that one response where people say, hey, tell me more about Jesus. Hey, yes, I'll come to church with you. We have to be evangelists. And I love the fact that this church is growing. So someone's evangelizing someone. That's, all, that's awesome. But even more so. And, you know, Pastor Damo and Beck and I and some of the executive, we've been talking about, okay, where do we extend? Do we go this way? Do we go that way? We're already starting to think large auditorium. Because you know what? Beanley needs to come to Jesus. Logan City needs to come to Jesus. And we want to be a church that doesn't just join hands on a Sunday morning and sing Kumbaya and then go and have a snack outside. We want to be a church where the business of salvation is done in church on Sunday, that we, that we engage with the Holy Spirit and then we take the message of Jesus Christ out to a lost and hurting world. We must be telling Logan City, you must be born again. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Maybe there's some people here today that don't know Jesus. Maybe that clip spoke to you. Maybe the resurrection of Jesus and my sermon spoke to you. Maybe, maybe Murray's communion or the worship. What a great song, no other name. There is no other name but Jesus. I want to give opportunity right now, if there's anybody who would like to raise their hand and say, Peter, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour. Is there anybody this morning that would just say, hey, pray for, pray for me, Peter. I need Jesus in my life. Such an important decision. Your eternal destiny hangs in the balance. I, I would implore you, if you don't know Jesus, don't go out of this place today without knowing Him, without getting right, without saying, hey, Jesus, I, I, I want to express belief in you. I want to ask you, Jesus, into my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Is there anybody this morning that would say, Peter, pray for me? Father, this day on Resurrection Sunday, Father, I pray, Lord, for this church, God, that you would put in us, Lord, a passion, Father, for the lost. God, that every single person in this church would be a radical evangelist. God, that we would capture your heart and your desire, Lord, that none should perish. Lord, that, you, that the love that you have for the people of Bean Lee, the people of, of Logan City, Father, a, a great love, Lord, a love that pursues people. 
And Father, we want to be an instrument of Your redemption. We want to be an instrument of Your redemptive message, Father, to our city, to our family, to our friends, to our our social media colleagues. Father, we want to connect people with Your grace. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that You would stir us up, but Father, that also You would prepare the hearts of the people that we would share with. God, that people would come to know You. God, that people in this city, there would be more people saved in this city than any other city in Australia. God, because the hearts of the people are open to the message of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You for the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Let's stand as we finish off this morning. We'll sing and then I encourage you to have some uh, roast roast lamb rolls, I believe we're having in our cafe this morning, which sounds absolutely delightful. Uh, that's awesome. So let's thank, thanks worship team.